hockey and those other sports, you gotta be tough to be a hockey I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off-limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to episode 128 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne Steinow. Hopefully, we'll be joined here soon by Johnny Cullen um, making his return to the show. We will see. Um, unfortunately, no hurls tonight. Uh, thoughts and thoughts go out to him and his family. Uh, he's dealing with some stuff right now. He's actually flying back to Buffalo um, from uh, LA. Right, actually, I think he's in the air right now. So, uh, thoughts are out to him, uh, and we we'll hope to see him back next week. But uh, you know. Hope and pray that you know thing you you know him and uh, his family won't share it on the show, but everything pulls through for them. And but no fear, we have Ryan Jury from the Instigator Podcast here, uh, one of my favorite peop- hockey people in the world, not just people, but hockey people in the world. So Ryan, thanks for hopping on, bud. Yeah, man, it's always a pleasure to be on here. Yeah, thoughts uh, absolutely out there with Hurls. He's a good dude, and um, just hoping things shake out well for him. Um, yeah, here's hoping. Yeah. Um, yeah, ever since he's uh, came on with the show, uh, you know, he's been a breath of fresh air for us, uh, especially sometimes with Johnny's hectic schedule, always having a guy I can lean on as a co-host. Uh, when, you, when you're when uh, you busy calling an OHL game during the season uh, and you can't you can't bail me out, you know, Harold's is able to be there, which is nice. So, uh, But, uh, you know, a busy day if you're a Sabres fan, not a lot of noteworthy stuff in the NHL, but the Sabres bring back uh, Zemgus Gergensens and, uh, you know, uh, Lucas Rusek. And uh, Lance Lyasowski from the Buffalo News here was on with the Jeff Merrick and the Jeff Merrick podcast and, uh, you know, had some tea to spill. Is that how it goes? You, tea? You spill some yeah, tea. yeah. Spill, spill the tea. You got it right. But is that how, like, like how do, how do kids use like I always see it as in like when you have You're asking the wrong guy, man. Right, me too. Oh, no. Like I I'm not young feel, anymore, man. I feel I feel like you know when people say they're about to spill the tea, it's more or less oh they have some drama or something something to something they got to reveal, gossip. some big reveal, some dramatic yeah, reveal. Yeah, you know uh, here's that tea they say you know and they see the Kermit the Frog meme or whatever it is. Uh, I guess spilled some tea today about how yeah. these Sabres aren't just in on, you know, obviously last week we heard about Brett Pesci, uh, but they're literally in on every single defenseman that might be available to them, including Noah Hannafin. Um, so a lot to digest there, a lot to talk about, and a lot to speculate. Um, but Ryan, just real quick, uh, how, how have you been since the last time you were with us? How have things been? Been good, man. Just, uh, I mean... This is my least busy time of the year professionally, which is nice because I need 
I need some time to recover, but yeah, I'm basically in, uh, I'm basically in full concert attendee mode. I've got like five coming up over the next month. So that's basically the mode I'm in right now. Went to one yeah. last Friday. So I'm just using the summer to recharge my batteries, recharge the throat and, uh, be ready to scream into a microphone again, come September. That's basically all I've been up to. Yeah. You and Steven, uh, sharing some, uh, some uh content some some music in the uh two goalies one mic chat um i got i i i got a chance to listen to both i i enjoy them both I'm not a heavy metal head like you know uh as you are um i do i do like heavy metal but i'm not as much in the scene as i say i guess others are but i enjoyed both both songs uh so very nice yeah you know it's fun i'm yeah i'm definitely still a hardcore kid at heart so um and it's a fun time to be a hardcore fan man knocked loose is like dominating the scene right now like the the two singles they dropped the other day are outrageous i i just whenever somebody drops something really heavy and and it's sick like that i just kind of giggle like it just gets me fired up i fell off my couch the other night i stayed up for the midnight premiere i saw their saying i follow him on twitter I saw that he tweeted they were premiering the videos um, at midnight the other yeah. night. So I stayed up and watched it like, yeah, it's just fun, fun to be a hardcore kid right now. It feels like it feels like the old days when I was a 15 year old and it was like pretty popular. Warp Tour was still around and it kind of feels like it's starting to swing back that way. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely fun. Went and saw the Canadian legends that are Alexis on fire uh on on friday night at bud stage in toronto which is great i uh, got the flash around my lex on fire tattoo to everybody which was fun um yeah it's just just fun to attend some concerts and not think about sports you know during during the summer although funny to talk about as always yeah you know um the second the season ended and we got to see the uh obviously parade shenanigans the celebration shenanigans Tarps off William Nylander, just literally Carlson. Like, Carlson. I'm sorry. Wild I'm sorry. Bill. Yeah, Carlson. I'm sorry. Wild um, Bill. Yeah. He, I, actually, he yeah was... I wrote William Nylander in the tweet. Whoops. Um, <laughs> whoopsie daisy. Uh, anyways, it doesn't matter. I knew who you meant. Yeah. They know who I meant. Yeah. I don't, I, I, when I think Willie, I think, you know, I like, I, when, when someone says William, I like to say Willie. I think Willie Nylander. I don't think Willie Carlson, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Well, everybody just calls him Wild Bill, right? So Wild yeah. Bill. Yeah. And well, he, definitely, he was wild. Definitely now, after yeah. uh, those shenanigans, that's for sure. Um, There's always one guy, eh? There's always, like, the one. Everybody's having a good time and partying, but any, like, championship team parade nowadays – there's the one guy who's like way more turned up than everybody else. Yeah. Um, I, I like Corey Crawford had that one moment a few years back at their one cup parade. It might've been the last one, the 2015 one. He was pretty, uh, you know, over the top. Jonathan quick back in the day. Ovi need i say more um yeah like there's always one guy who's like a little further off the diving board than everybody yeah. else with the parade and this year it was wild bill carlson he was he was ready to party how do you feel about i mean it's it's bound to become a t-shirt right we've waited six long years like 
if the, they, I, I if, if the Vegas, dude, if the Vegas Golden Knights, who say what you want about their franchise, are brilliant marketers, if that is not printed on T-shirts at Game One of the regular season next year when they lift the banner up, and those shirts better be on all the seats. We waited six long years. If they do not have those on T-shirts, that is a failure. I agree. Like, it just, for me, it's like the guy was holding the sign uh, and then the players kind of embraced it at the, especially uh, William Carlson of uh, all of them really embraced it at the uh, parade and the speech. I'm going to pull that. I'm actually going to pull it up right now uh, because I have to, we have to, we have to listen to that speech. We just have to. Because that was just so funny. Um, Bring it up here real quick. Fuck it. I got to see. I I need this. I hope this is the video with the air hump. Because the air hump was just fantastic. Made it. Yeah, it really really made it for just. Okay. You guys can hear me? Yeah, you hear me? So, um, this guy. This guy. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. So, he was here, they won. Yeah. And I know you have been here, they fucking won. Tarps off. I mean, this is fantastic. You guys are so amazing. We played Arizona in the first game, and we beat the shit out of them. (laughs) (laughs) I had no no points, but that's okay. Because at year one, I was pretty fucking great. (laughs) It's so over the top. You guys were greater. And we've been on this journey to the cut. They cut his mic like you see on Punk. Marcy, you got something to say? No, 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 no. Listen to me. We've been waiting for six long years. She's looking early. This guy to be MVP. Oh my God. You can't get you. I mean, that was fantastic, right? That's just that's just so fantastic. a couple a couple things. First off, the referencing the first game and then doing the air hump after saying I was pretty effing great is one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life, and probably like a little bit of a shot to some of his coaches, who, you know, like he he really didn't get like a good ride from torts in Columbus and then got drafted to Vegas, obviously. And people just kind of thought, ah, you know, D 
decent third line player and it turns out he's far more useful than that but you could say that about a majority of that initial vegas roster right but he is one of the original misfits and he's yucking it up the second thing though that bothers me a little bit like the girl that comes in to take the mic from him and stuff what's she thinking just she's thinking beat it like get out of here first of all of all the towns in the world to you know have some language thrown around you can go here and see far worse things in vegas than a shirtless william carlson saying the f word a few times and they just won the stanley cup like maybe don't you know, like if, I, he didn't say anything like offensive or anything. No, no. You know, so I get, like, I get there might be a worry there that you might say something stupid because you're just that buckled. But like, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I don't think so. I really don't think so. Like, I just, I just thought I like know. it was a little lame. Like it was like, okay, like they're partying. Dude, the Capitals jumped in fountains. Like just. Let him summer go. of Obi, like, baby. Summer yeah, of Obi. I'll never forget it. I'll bring it up every chance I get. Uh, yeah, I he he really put a show on there, and uh, yeah, he hey, they won the Stanley Cup, man. You 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 just keep being you, Wild Bill. You just keep being, keep being you. you. Yeah, he had a blast, that is for sure. He uh, <laughs> I mean. As a what Sabres do you want? Fan, like, come yeah, on, as, man. Oh, as a Sabres fan, it was tough to watch for the obvious reasons. But, I mean, I'll never, I'll never miss. You'll have your day. Highlights from a parade. No, it's the coolest, man. Like, there's, yeah. there's like a little part of you, even, even when a team that I don't like wins in any sport. Like, like I'll give you a great example. Like, I'm a big soccer fan. I, I'm not at all a fan of the two clubs in Manchester, Manchester city won the champions league for the first time this year. And I was thrilled for them. Like it looked amazing. Like they're the little brother, you know, the, they always got kind of called by Manchester United fans, you know, the annoying neighbor. And now they're way more successful than United is over the last decade. Let's Mm -hmm. be clear. And, and they finally won the European championship. And like, it's, it's incredible. Like Noel Gallagher's, you know, freaking out and doing something like it. It's awesome. Like I feel happy for them. Cause I remember what it was like when Chelsea won. I'm a Chelsea fan. I remember mm-hmm. winning the European title for first. I was bawling. Like it was dude, just, it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing for a city, for a fan base. And oh yeah, they've only been around for six years. Well, you can't blame them for success. I hope they continue no. to enjoy it. It's great. And they're aggressive. Look, like Vegas, I, I don't want to hear any more of the complaining and the and the whataboutism. Like they were better than everybody else and they won on the merit of their skill and, and their compete level. All, like now, all the knuckle draggers are back going, oh, it's so unfair. You know, they were set up for success. Uh, with the with the expansion rules and everything, nobody was saying that after the team got drafted. I said, I dude, I remember on my old show, I said that I would be shocked if they won fifteen games. 
the first I mean, you year. Were, you were, I said that. You weren't you weren't the only one, man. I mean, I would say nobody's nobody back then was going, This no. is such an unfair roster they've put together day one. People no, thought no. that they would be a lot There were a lot stuff. of players that had high expectations when they first came in the league that didn't really, you know, pan out. The one guy that we, I think many were surprised to see go there was eventual Conn Smythe winner, Jonathan Marchessault. You know, I was surprised yeah. that Florida didn't protect him. They got fleeced. They yeah. got absolutely oh, yeah. fleeced, and so did a bunch of other teams. So I just don't want to hear it all. It was unfair, and they were set up for success. No one said that, including the Nobody. people tweeting it. And and the oh they were they were ten they were fourteen million dollars over the cap. Teams are doing it now. The NHL yeah. could the NHL could have done something. They should do something, honestly. Like, I don't I care. About it. It's legal. I don't care. I just don't care. And mm. and also, they could have done something when the Tampa Bay Lightning and a couple other GMs raised the issue in 2015 when Chicago yep. did it. They were the first ones to do this where they stashed a bunch of money. It was actually Patrick Kane, funnily enough. And they, because they were able to stash Kane's cap hit on LTIR that year, they were able to trade for Anton Vermette, who played third line center for them that year and won a lot of big draws. Fucking player for them that year too, man. And they ended up winning the cup and, and it was raised at the GM meetings that summer and no one did anything. Everyone said, nope, this is fine. I, I've seen the I have idea, no problem with it. One idea thrown around if people still want to make a stink about it is you can be over the cap come, you know, after that deadline. But the team you put on the ice has to be cap compliant. Sure. I look, if you're gonna tell me going forward that we make a change like that fine yeah i'm fine with it but this but that's not what the rules are now no 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 like as much as everybody wants to go oh they they were so far over the cap it's unfair you wouldn't be saying that if it was your team no you wouldn't no you wouldn't it is fair you'd be putting your head down and just shuffling your shoes and you're like yep nope it is fair sorry like i mean if you want to have a conversation about changing the rule fine but this is what the rules are and they'd be the same for your team if they were in the same situation Mm -hmm. sorry no no i again i don't disagree with the sentiment at all i'm just i just think that if they were to ever make a change to the rule that's one way to go about it i guess sure if you still want to keep the rule intact make an amendment to it and just say, Hey, or you, or you lose draft picks or something. Yeah. I don't know. Something like put a, a put it almost in a luxury tax sense where you pay pay money. Depending on how much over the cap you actually are, the more extreme cap uh, or sacrifice you make. Like if you're 5 million over, it's like a, Fifth round, pick. third round, third round pick or yeah, something. Third, or Ten million know, over, like Vegas. It's a first rounder. Yeah, sure, yeah. fine, but that's not I'd the say, way it I'd is say now. I and... think Ten million over would be a second. It's a first if you win the cup. Sure, yeah. I, I, I mean, you're pitching this to me, like, yeah, I have yeah. no problem Where with the that. GMs? I, I just, I just don't 
want to hear. No. Look, in, in any sport, like someone wins and all the other teams lose. So <laughs> I just don't like the the griping of it all, like from any fan base. Just, oh, well, well, we would have won if this. No, you wouldn't have. You didn't win. Like that, that's the end of it. Come back next year. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, well, if we had the same circumstances, we would have won. No, you wouldn't have. Like, I just, I just don't care to hear like the excuse making. Oh, the only reason Vegas won, the only reason Vegas won is because they were a well-constructed team with a very, very, very good coaching staff. And they got an incredibly hot goaltender who had to come in yeah. under ridiculous circumstances and he was like their backstop them all the way. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What they acquire him for from, from San Jose last year, two, two <laughs> years ago, whatever it was like a fifth round pick or something, something like that, man. It wasn't, they caught magic in a bottle. They were yeah. a really, really good team. That was really well coached that caught magic in a bottle, which is the same thing you could say about basically every single Stanley cup winner. Sorry. It wasn't your team this year. Sorry. Like I just, I'm done hearing the excuses. The only reason Vegas won is because they were 14 million over the cap. Sorry. Here's an interesting point. I think the change that would be uh, from Greg. I think the change that would uh, help fix the problem would be it would be to have the players you plan. I think he, he correct himself. In the next one plan to go into the playoffs with on the roster before the playoffs. So pretty much, what is that insinuating? That you have to have at least one game played in the regular season to be eligible for playoffs? I think he's just saying maybe before the playoffs start, you have to have everybody listed as active on your roster, which is basically what they do in baseball. Baseball's got that funky rule where if a guy's injured, you can reinstate him if he's eligible to come off the I.L., at the end of a playoff round. Yeah. So maybe they could do something similar to that in the NHL, but I think that's basically what he's suggesting. Before the playoffs start, the the people that play game one, you have to have them on your roster. And so maybe they could do a baseball thing where, say in Mark Stone's case, he's not listed, so he's not on the active roster right before the playoffs start, so he can't play in that first round. But at the end of the first round, the Golden Knights could reinstate him and take someone yeah. off the roster for the second round beyond. I mean, I, I'd be fine with that too. Yeah. Like baseball. I think I think at some point they should they should make some type of like an amendment to it. Like don't take the rule away completely, but make an amendment to it where it's not just teams taking advantage of, you know, LTIR, you know, and keeping guys there intentionally, you know, the way yeah. you can see it with Mark Stone and Kucherov, make it a situation where, okay, if you're going to do that, well, guess what? Like, this is what you're going to have to sacrifice in order to do that. And- That's the thing, though. I, I don't get the appetite. Like, I don't get the sense, rather, that the general managers who are in yeah. charge of this, I don't get the impression that they have the appetite to change this at all. Because even the teams like, a Toronto or or an, anybody that, you know, where their fan bases would complain about something like this, they know deep down in their heart that they could run into a similar situation and do the exact same thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and guess what would happen next year? Let's just paint a picture here. Next year, 
Toronto, Austin Matthews gets hurt in December. He, he blows a ligament in his foot or something and can't skate. And they put him on LTIR. Guess what all the Leaf fans or any other fan base would do if next year the rule was changed and they couldn't do that at the trade deadline. Oh, then everybody would go, oh my God, it's so unfair the other way, right? Yeah. Oh, so I sure. don't think any of the general managers have an appetite to change this rule at all because they all know deep down, what if it was me in that situation? I'd do it too. Yeah. I agree. I, uh, like I said, I have no issues, major issues with the rule. Um, again, I, I think at some point they're probably going to make some type of an amendment to it. You know, not get rid of it entirely, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, moving on. Um, I know uh, it's really, really, really early, but who are your favorites already st- stating right now for next season? Like, bold, way too early, bold prediction. You know, who is your favorite going into next year before the draft, before free agency? You look at rosters right now and obviously making – common sense decisions, you know, for certain teams, but who do you have favored most going into next year? You know what? And, and it's because of not only how I feel they are now and what I've seen them do before and get close, but also what I think they're going to do in terms of some more tinkering. I just, I really think that the Edmonton Oilers are going to be a major, major force next year. And I just think that McDavid and Dreisaitl, who both were, you know, a little nicked up, particularly Dreisaitl, and still tied for the playoff leading goals, which is psychotic. Um, I think that next year, if they can get even semi-stable goaltending, just a little bit better, than what they got this year at points. Skinner was up, way down, in the middle. Jack Campbell was, eh. If one of them can can somewhat replicate what Aiden Hill just did, I, I still really think the Edmonton Oilers are so, so dangerous, and they continue to improve. And yeah. on the other side of the ledger in the East, I just I just talked to him. He's going to be featured on, on my show this week, our buddy Johnny Lazarus. I gotta, I gotta feel him, man. I like those Rangers. I know it was a disappointing year, but they've still got a very young team with an elite goaltender and good veteran leadership, and a new head coach who's going to come in and really get those defensemen galloping. Laviolette plays an aggressive system. Those Rangers, man, dude. If they catch a heater, and Shesterkin is just sharp, let alone how otherworldly he can be. If he's just mm-hmm. sharp and that team catches a heater, man, are they dangerous. Yeah, and I, I actually texted uh, Lazzie yesterday after the announcement about with Mike Pekka being a, named an assistant, which I think is a huge loss, and I think they Buffalo dropped the ball there because I thought he you know, he did a phenomenal job on the staff in Rochester this year. They made a, a, you know, a Calder Cup run. Um, um, I, I, I told him like, I'm disappointed to see him leave our organization because I thought he'd be a great fit on our bench this next year, because I think that Donnie, maybe he trusts his assistants more than maybe so me. I don't understand why some of those guys like, uh, 
Matt Ellis are already an assistant in the NHL beats me. I mean, it is what it is, but um, I thought Mike Pekka in terms of what he has to offer in development, especially on a young team with the Sabres, I thought that was a big loss for, for Buffalo. And I think maybe they don't just don't know it yet. Um, but I told him, I said, if you guys keep, I know I, he mentioned to me, he doesn't think Goodrow's with the Rangers next season, but if a guy like Barkley Goodrow sticks around next year, the type of impact a player like Mike Pekka can have on that guy is, is very, very val- valuable. I even said, I even threw Kako in there. You know, Kako, I was just going to say Kako, Kako is like, could be his pet project. Honestly. Yes. You know, cause Mike Pekka, he was never flashy. He played, he, you know, he, he was an aggressive centerman, a shutdown centerman. I mean, if you ever, you know, back then, if you ever went to a game in Buffalo, back when they had the Karuba collision, it always kicked off with him crushing Alexi Yashin at center ice. He was always out there against the team's top lines to shut them down. Um, he was a valuable player, former Selkie Trophy winner. Um, and the year they lost, uh, I believe it was, they were they, they were a favorite to go back to the Cup, and Pekka held out for more money for the entire season. And it eventually led to, you know, from my memory at least, it eventually led to the trade with the Islanders, which sent him to the, the Isles for a pick in Tim Conley, which, you know, in, in, in a lot of respects in terms of watching a human highlight reel of Tim Conley here in Buffalo for a few years, uh, it worked out. But, I mean, what he has to offer players like Goudreau and, like I said, Kako is very, very valuable. And I think he can help improve their game and get them to the next level. And Kako, who I understand that he hasn't really reached expectation, you know, as a, it was a second overall pick, right? His second. I can't remember. He was a top five for sure. I want to say he was a second or a third overall pick. Um, let's have a look here. He was up there. Yeah, he, he was, he was way up there. I, I know that he was inside the top five. Yeah. He was second overall, yeah, in 2019. I forget who went for who went first that year. Let's look. Uh, I'm well. I'm trying to think. 20 2019. Who was first? The one year it was Lafreniere and Byfield. One and two, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Which I oh, it was, it was Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. My memory escaped me there. Yeah, I'm yeah. usually good for that. Yeah, Jackie, well, hey, hey, yeah, pretty like, good player. I, I think Hacko has really come around as like a guy who's developed his overall game in both ends of the ice. And having a guy like Paco around who could really help instill with him, well, have a more physical – he's a big guy. He's a big guy. You know, and, and Paco was never a big guy, but he hit like a freight train. And have a guy like that in your ear – developing helping further develop your overall 200 foot hockey you know 200 foot game i think that's an available thing to have behind your bench and you know i I said you guys are gonna be really really happy with him and the rangers because it's it's only a matter of time that he is soon to be a head coach in the league maybe if laviette doesn't work out and they like pekka that much he could be the guy you never know but he will be a head coach in the nhl at some point in uh in the next couple years i think yeah, I think he can be too, just with his experience and 
all the uh, the different elements that he brought as a player will translate well as a coach. And yeah, I mean, Kako, especially with him and and even maybe a guy like Zabanejad, like can really take some of those guys defensive games to the next level. And uh, also, and this will be bigger for, for Kako because Zabanejad's already pretty good at it. Yeah. But uh, face-offs, which I know yeah. are your favorite stat. <laughs> oh, that was quite a night last night. I won't say him by name because I like him. But we got in a little Twitter debate last night about face-offs. Uh, the exact words were face-offs don't matter. And if there's anybody that I know that knows that they do matter, it's Ryan Drury, giant Caps fan over here who knows what <laughs> – you know where, where, where? I mean, granted, it always wasn't off a face-off, but where Alexander Ovechkin's offices and how often he has scored from that spot off of a face-off after a uh, a Backstrom win or a Kuznetsov win. Um, I mean, I, I, all I had to do was go into Twitter and search Ovechkin face-off and then click videos, and it was like four of the first like ten videos or whatever it was were all. Face off, win goal. Face off, win goal. Face off, win goal. Face off, win goal. Like within three seconds of a face off win, like how quick that shot comes off Ovechkin's stick and it goes in the back of the net. Yeah, I would. I maybe agree that the importance of them can be overstated. Sure, I guess, but they're a function of the game. Like yep. they. Otherwise they, otherwise they wouldn't do them. Like we would just go with road hockey rules and the goalie would dig the puck out of his net and then pass it out to his defenseman. That's how road hockey. Yeah. We never did. did, uh, We never did face-offs in road hockey, you know, but we don't, they don't do that. They do face-offs and territorial face-offs in your D zone or your O zone are extremely important. And OV, yes, is one of the better examples of that with the amount of snipes he's had off a clean win. But you could say that about most good goal scorers. Yep. Brett Hall used to do it all the time. Mike Bossy used to do it all the time. Like, I remember watching the old documentary about those Islanders teams and Bossy constantly bringing up face-offs, God rest his soul, that Brian Trottier would win on power plays and they just slide it over to Bossy in the net. In the net, 50 goals, nine yeah. straight times. When a guy who scored 50 goals, nine straight times, which sounds psychotic to say, Mike Bossy, what a legend. Mm-hmm. When he says, boy, I scored a lot of those goals off nice face-offs. I'm like, it. that's kind of like saying the snap doesn't matter in football. Yeah. Why do they I do it? I, I, it's just, to me, it's just stupid. I'm not going to say the person who said it's stupid, but. It's just no. It's an opinion. To, they, they have an opinion. To, like, analytics. They always like kick it to the analytics and just like they show the, the you know the advanced stats and faceoffs and you know you know how you know much they actually. I don't want to say don't matter, but like listen, like I respect analytics. I really, really do. But I also think analytics are also for people who. And this isn't a shot anybody, um, but for people who maybe never played the sport competitively or organized hockey, and it's kind of like their way of feeling like they have their their place in the game to an extent. 
I, I, I say it to an extent. I say that with a grain of salt. But for me, I just like, eh, how can you possibly say that? Like, I would watch guys that I played with and then I coach, kids that I coached, work for hours on how to win a faceoff or better their ability to win a faceoff. How like it's, it truly is, and you ask any guy who's played at a high level who really it's an art, like having the timing, the patience, you know, you know that it is an focus. Art. It's an art. It's an art to be that good at one one little thing in the game of hockey. It truly is. It's an art, and you know to you know to use one example. I use one example of how when 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 Buffalo scored, uh, Chris Drury. Cousin Chris scored against the Rangers. It was off a face-off. Oh, the overtime goal. Yeah. Yeah. But you want to know what? But you want to know what? You can't just take one example like that and use to justify your point. Like for every for every one time I can find 10 examples just with Alexander Ovechkin where it did matter. You know, you know, regardless if face-off statistics don't correlate directly to winning. Goals do, and when goals come off a face-off, those goals correlate to winning. So I, I guess I would put, I guess I would put it like this: like you, you can absolutely win a hockey game and lose the face-off battle. Happens quite often. You can absolutely win a game and get possession back quickly with a good forecheck or off yep. of a turnover, having a good stick, all those things. You can win a game often. And not win the faceoff battle, even lose it by ten or more. You can absolutely do that. Yeah. But I would put it to you like this: if you and I were to race right now, and I stumble out of the blocks, and you get a good start, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'll lose the race. Maybe I'm yeah. a really fast guy, and I can make up the ground quickly. But it's more likely you're going to win the race, and you got off to a way better start. It's it's going to make it easier for you to beat me if i stumble out of the blocks and you don't i guess that's how i would put it like no they're not the be all end all but to insinuate that they aren't that important then i I don't really know what that i don't know it's like saying don't put on your seatbelt. it's like well actually yeah do it like yeah you know they are important and if you win enough of them in critical situations power plays late in a game net empty goalie pulled you need a goal to tie it like those are very big face-offs and very yep. big moments in games very much so um and we kind of went off the rails there for a second but uh my bold prediction for next season i'm actually right in line with you i think um i, I think edmonton is they still have some cap space to work with um i mean do they do they find a way out of the Jack Campbell contract right now? I mean, I know they're paying him like roughly was like five million a year. Yeah, um, whether they trade that contract seasons. away, um, I think they have some great depth down the middle. I mean, guy like yeah, on top of that, you have a guy like Ryan, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a hundred point player last season, and he's playing on your like your you know you know what I mean like you're paying that guy six point two five million for a hundred points last season. And he's always been he's a good consistent. player. He's a, he is a good player. He's a solid, consistent, reliable player. I think they they do make another addition. Um, I, I think they. I, I would. I I think Ekholm. I want to say 
I don't know. I don't think he was supposed to be a free agent. I think they might have him for another year. Which I believe I think, they have him for one more year. Yeah, which for me that's huge because that's a guy they definitely needed, um, regardless of he, what happened in the playoffs. That's a guy he changed their blue line. He really yes. did. He made a huge impact, particularly on that Bouchard kid. Yes, and um, I don't know if Skinner's the guy in that. I really, really don't know. Um, I know he, he had an All Star appearance this year. Um, again, Maybe he is Aiden though. Hill. Aiden Hill won a Stanley Cup this year, went yeah. on a run, and that's all you really need from your goaltender. I don't think it's it was Skinner's fault that they that they lost in the playoffs at all. Who did they end up losing to? Edmonton. They lost to Vegas. They had to lose to Vegas. Yep, uh, I, in I, seven I games. Yep. I, I don't put that on Skinner. I, I mean, they lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champions. Um, you know, I Connor McDavid was a point and a half per game player in the playoffs. I mean, what more could you ask for him? Was he supposed to get a two and a half point game per player? Is that what you need from him? Like, then what was that same with the rest of your team? I, I think they, they do need to make one more addition, but um, I agree. I think there's a fire that's going to happen there in terms of, you know, inspiration motivation i mean i know i i I don't know if connor mcdavid is that type of player i i would assume that jack might have been a little bit while especially obviously always being compared to mcdavid i bet you in the back of his head it's like yeah you know fuck that not not fuck connor mcdavid because i'm sure they're 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 pals that's you know they see yeah certainly a respect there yeah there's respect there in the back of his head like yeah you know fuck those people who like put him so far above me who got a, who, who got a cup first Gr- you know granted a lot of other players were able to carry the weight when jack couldn't on that vegas team whereas if you take Connor mcdavid off that vegas team even though they have leon drysdale i don't think they're nearly as good of a hockey team without Connor mcdavid i think you know that's no, obvious uh, yeah you could say that if he was that's like, like taking Ovi away from the cat it's like o- taking Ovi away from washington you know it, it, Sid from the Penguins, yeah, like he's an otherworldly player who is by far the most talented hockey player I've ever seen in my life. I I I marvel at his skill level at speed. He is the most. He's certainly by any measure because look, it's hard to argue eras, but there have been a lot of good hockey players, man. But like, I can certainly say without a doubt that. He is the most skilled player at speed that has ever played mm-hmm. in the NHL. And hey, there's been lots of those guys too. Like Pavel Bure was an r- unbelievable player. Bure is so fun. McDavid to watch. is is that times fifty. He's so outrageously skilled at just making you look dumb going a hundred miles an hour. It's it's outrageous. Watching Paul Valbure growing up, like the things he would do in a game at full speed. Like there are guys to, in today's NHL that couldn't do that at half speed in practice. No way. It was just he- nuts. It was nuts to tap off the skate back to the stick. You know, it, he invented Deeks. Huh? Like he invented Deeks. Yeah. And that, like people had never seen before. He was outrageous. Like that. And McDavid's hockey too, you know, as 
I don't want to say the goaltending was bad because it wasn't bad. It was just wasn't as advanced as it is now, especially with the equipment and the training. But like, yeah, yeah. Watching that era, you, you're the Russian era. You know, the the true Russian when they broke into the league. Your Burray, your Mogilny, your Fedorov, the Russian. I've like just all of those guys that came in with so much fucking speed. You know, and, and just watching them play. You know, like. Jesus Christ, man. Like, uh, like I would love, I'm not saying that, that Wayne wouldn't have scored as many goals or scored as many points, but especially with the goal. I mean, he never scored a goal against arguably the greatest Russian goalie that ever lived in Tretiak, you know, cause a lot of those guys couldn't come over early on in his career. I would love to see what the, what, what if he, would he have been able to dominate as, as much as he did? had the other half of the world been able to come here and play that early in his career. Do you think he would have dominated as much? It's one of those great what if questions that like is fun to think about. Probably like, I I don't know. It's just so hard to say because on one hand you could say he was outrageously acrobatic. Like there are clips you can look up of Trechiak, like in the gym, like stretch, like the guy could have, like audition for the Bolshoi ballerina like is not it was psychotic the stuff that they were make that they were not only doing of their own free will but that the coaches were making the players do and he was still so outrageous it was a true job there you know whereas not saying it wasn't here it was their job means you fucked up at your job there were consequences yeah it was the only consequences here and here in the in north america was you know, maybe five minutes with the media over there. There were true consequences. Yeah. Not good stuff, but yeah, I, I think that Trechiak probably would have been a very success because he was playing the same style that basically all the NHL goalies were playing mm-hmm. back then in the late seventies and early eighties until Patrick Waugh came along. So yep. I, I have no reason to believe that a guy that was that talented and that intimidating on the ice, I have no reason to believe that he wouldn't have at least had yeah. moderate success um, in the NHL. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, again, like you said, one of the world's greatest what ifs. Um, I would say I'll have a dark horse too. And this isn't me being biased, but I, I really do believe the Buffalo Sabres really make some waves next year. Like, I'm not saying they're just going to make a first-round appearance. I think they make a playoff run, um, especially. It's also contingent on if the goaltending problem is truly fixed, which I think it is, um, and if, in which we'll tr- use this to transition to our next point, the blue line. They find their true Owen Power partner, and they create real depth on their blue line, whereas they're not constantly switching a guy out in that second pairing to play with Owen Power, you know, because I think that guy is really just, he's waiting to be let off a leash almost. Not saying that he wasn't this year, but I really don't think you really got to see everything that Owen Power is truly capable of. Um, it, it, You know, because he had to, you know, not he wasn't able to really play the same type of game that Dalene plays because he never had his version of Samuelson. 
you know, there was always an inconsistency there. He always had to cover up for mistakes, whether it was with Jacob Bryson or Yoki Haru or Kale Clay or whoever it was playing on the side of him that particular night. He couldn't truly let himself off his own leash and go be the guy that got was drafted first overall. I think if you find that guy, whether it's via trade or free agency, look out because you are going to have an insane two-headed monster on Buffalo's blue line next year. And if you couple that with true NHL-level goaltending or above-average NHL goaltending, I think that team can make a run. I agree. I mean, I I think that in the bare minimum, it's playoffs or bust. They are talented enough. They are good enough to be a playoff team. Correct. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And we've seen teams that are, you know, similar in current makeup win around, you know, potentially even more. Like, I, I think that they're almost, and look, I'm not saying that they're going to do what this team went and did, but they are in kind of that similar position of those early young Penguins teams. Young goalie, young studs down the middle in Cousins and Tage Thompson. I'm not saying they're Crosby and Malkin. I'm just saying, like, look at look at the kind of similar scenario here. Really, really talented offensive rushing blue liner. You know, your Latang, your Darlene. I think that they're in that similar type of window where they're just starting to open the window. And the window should be open with this team, with this amount of talent and the young guys that are the catalysts of it locked up for a long time on good Mm -hmm. contracts. That window should be forcibly held open for at least seven to eight years. Like they have a really, really nice structure built there in Buffalo. I, I would consider it a real disappointment if they miss the playoffs and if they get in and have a really good season, why couldn't they make some noise? Tage Thompson running people over and dangling through people like a big horse you know, with the Mario Lemieux wingspan and Dylan Cousins, the workhorse from Whitehorse, running people over and winning big face-offs. And Darlene clapping it from the point and railroading people because he's a freak athlete and can just hip-check people like Rob Blake and rush the puck like Niedermeyer. He's a freak. He was the number one overall pick for a reason. Everybody saw it last year. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not? I, I, they're going to be so much fun to watch. Yeah. They're going to be fun to watch. I almost like am bummed that RJ is done broadcasting because he would have a whale of a time calling goals for this team next year. They are going to be a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, And we'll transition that into the report made earlier when Lance Lyasowski from the Buffaloes joined Jeff Merrick on his podcast uh, which you can find pretty much everywhere you can find a podcast. Uh, and the topic of defensemen was a major sticking point. Um, and Jeff Merrick essentially said that Kevin Adams is in on any and all defensemen, uh, either available free agency or via trade. Um, Noah Hannafin's name was thrown around, which, um, yes, please. I've always been I've always been big on Racco Gudas because you know he's just a bear, 
He looks like a bear. He's he's a scary human being. Um, you know, they they named Matt Dumba. Uh, obviously, Brett Pesci, another guy who was previously reported that, that Kevin Adams was checking in on with Carolina uh, as early as last week. Um, so there's a lot of names being thrown around. There's a lot of options. Um, I mean, Dmitry Orloff, one of your boys. I personally think Orloff is going back to the Capitals. That's just my opinion. I think just like Tom Wilson, they both want to be there when Ovechkin breaks the record. Like that, for me, I think that you know they have their cup. Not that they still don't want to win a cup, but I think that means a lot to guys like that who have been around for a minute in Washington, being there when Ovi breaks that record. Yeah, I I guess I'd be okay with it if he came back. I mean, he's thirty one now, made five point one million last year i don't know if i'd want to give him a ton over six like look i like orly but he he would drive me crazy at points and you know when the caps won like matt niskanen and lane lambert kind of became the orlov whispers where they reined him into a place where it was like we love the aggressiveness and the big hip checks and yep. the puck rushes and all. He's a very skilled player. He, he he really really is good skater, big kid. Um, not a kid anymore, but uh, he can be accused, I guess, of being a little over aggressive at times. A bad pinch here, mm-hmm. leading to a breakaway or a two on one, a mistimed hit. I like him, you know, I, I would, I guess I would welcome him back. It's just that with Washington and I get it, you know, him and Ovi are buds. It's just that if Washington brings him back, it would kind of fly in the face of what they said they want to do, which is get younger and faster and implement this new system under Spencer Carberry, who's a new young voice in terms of a head coach that I'm excited to have. So I don't know, like I'd be torn on it. Right. Like, cause it's like, yeah, yeah he helped us win a cup and he was a big part of it. I, I love Orly. Like he, he's like, he should never pay for a drink in DC for the rest of his life. But I just don't know that re-signing him would not that it'd be a bad idea. I just don't know that it would fit with the narrative of trying to get younger and bring guys like Fairvari more into the fold mm-hmm. and give him more responsibility and Alexiev, God willing, he can stay healthy. The poor kid, like, I don't know, but, but Orlov would be a guy that could, I mean, look what he did in Boston. I know they lost in the first round. It wasn't his fault. Um, mm-hmm. He would be an asset to any team, like any team, even if it's the caps again, like he's a very, very good. He's not elite, but he's just a very good defenseman with a big shot that can make things happen out there. Like he, he can help your power play. He can help your penalty kill. He'll run people over. He's a gamer. Like as much as he makes mistakes out there, sometimes you cannot question his compete level. He, he comes to play mm-hmm. and I've always loved that about him. Correct. Yeah. And um, if I had my pick personally, I mean, I love Dimitri Orloff, but, um, is Noah Hannafin the guy? I mean, is he, he's a left-handed shot, isn't he? 
He's not a right. Yeah. Han- Hannafin's a lefty if memory serves. And that's the thing. Like Hannafin is a little bit more of that classic two way guy, a puck mover who likes to get the puck off his stick quickly makes a good first pass, isn't necessarily a facilitator of offense. He's more of a guy that will join in after, staple up at the point, and cycle the puck around, and can really dish the puck. Not a particularly giant shot. He doesn't score a ton of goals, but he's just a solid guy who skates really well too, good edges. He's a guy that like is just going to give you solid minutes and that's why like if we're talking buffalo here I don't know necessarily that Orlov is a good option for you either. Yes, talented, very good defenseman, but he is a puck rusher. He's a guy that likes to have mm-hmm. the puck on his stick. Buffalo's already got those guys. You've got Darlene, you've got Owen Power. Why do you need another wild horse out there running around with no saddle yep. on? You need some guys that are going to help settle power, particularly because Samuelson Dahlin's pretty locked in. That they seem yeah. to really like each other, and that's a that's a pair. Power needs that guy, and power is the guy that wants the puck on his stick. He looks like a fourth forward sometimes. He's just an extremely exciting offensive defenseman. So I don't know that Orlov's a guy that we necessarily need to look at if you're the Buffalo Sabres. Yes, very nope. talented player, but. Is he the player you need? I don't really think so. Hannafin would be more along that line um, because he's just a little bit more quiet. And and by that, I mean, he's not the guy, you know, doing end-to-end rushes and starting an offensive rush from the back end. He's moving the puck quickly up to the forwards and sneaking in there and doing damage and giving you good penalty killing right, minutes. Yeah. I think he would fit the mold of what Buffalo would want more than a guy like Orlov. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I'm looking. I know, I know, I know Darlene's a left-handed shot. Samuelson, for some reason, I, I think he might be a left-handed shot too, but I think he just plays the opposite. Yeah, he is. They both, the, the, one of them just plays, can play both sides. And that's why, that's why that I'm, uh, I want to say it's Samuelson, the one that plays the offside. Uh, and it, it, it works well. It has worked well for them. Um, maybe this is a situation where they believe Hannafin can be the same type of guy. Or maybe they have that type of belief in power, and that's why his name's being thrown. Because you don't sign a guy like Noah Hannafin and make him a third-pairing guy. You just don't. You just don't. No, that, you know, he's a top four. That's a juggernaut-type player. Like he, uh, He's been consistently in the 30, 40-point range somewhere between 35 and 45 points throughout his career, which is great for a defenseman. Um, but he's not an offensive juggernaut. He takes care of business in his own end and, and, and is reliable um, between his time, in both Carolina and Calgary. But I mean, if I had my first po- choice, I mean, Matt Dumba's name has never really been out there for me, at least on my radar. I wouldn't mind it. I think he struggled a little bit in Minnesota, but I mean, I, I, maybe I'm just listening to Minnesota talking heads too much. But you know, we you talked about it before the show about Matt Dumba, and you said he, you know, you said you think, in a, and I, I, maybe I agree. You know, in a, in a second pairing role, he would thrive being paired with an Owen Power. Yeah, like Dumba. That's the thing with him. Like he, he is. Similar to Orlov in the sense of he's a bit of a boom or bust player. Like he either is going to make something really exciting happen when he rushes the puck 
or he's going to turn it over and, you know, make a mistake. Now, again, similar to Orlov as well, the guy's a gamer. Like, he wants to go out there and make an impact. He loves the big hit. Everybody saw, you know, what happened in the playoffs again, like getting himself into, you know, a little bit of controversy with a high hit there on on Joey P. But, yeah, yeah, like, he, he likes to go out there and throw his body around and it's not a big body, but he makes it bigger than it looks on the stat sheet. And he's got a big, big shot. He's got a lethal shot, a big, hard, heavy shot. Mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised he doesn't score more often. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. He, he's an interesting player that I think has definitely, I think underachieved is, is maybe fair just in terms of, I, I think people, when they first saw him when he came into the league and saw like all this offensive upside, they thought that he was going to be like a consistent 60, 70 point guy. And that's just not, you know, what he is. But there's certainly plenty of talent there. He's a good skater. He's small. He gets around the ice quickly and loves to lay the body. I just wonder, though, if his game is a little too explosive similar to Orlov where it's either explosive in a really good way or it can be explosive in a bad way with a mistimed hit a bad pinch a bad penalty he's got a penchant for you know losing his temper a little bit out there I don't necessarily know that he'd be the guy for Buffalo but if if they signed him like you're certainly getting a guy that can help you win games like I certainly think in summation, Dumba does more good than bad on the ice. Yeah. Maybe some Minnesota fans would disagree with with me, but I think he's a good player. Like, and and you certainly again can't question his effort level. Like, he goes out there and he plays the game and tries to take people's heads off, and mm-hmm. I respect it. No, I, I do too. Um, I, I, I we need that guy on our blue line um samuelson can do it from time you know but again he's a he's a he's a first pairing guy i mean i don't know if i want him always out there being that guy you know even i think darlene plays enough snarl right now where you kind of like level that out between the two of them um darlene's got some nastiness to him we've seen it a lot this past season he gets involved in a lot of scrums he's not afraid to be engaged with the physical side of the game um matt dumba I wouldn't hate it. I, I wouldn't hate it. It's not my first choice, but I wouldn't hate it. He's not an offensive juggernaut type player. Like we just spoke about Hannafin. He's even kind of like in terms of point production, he's, he, he's further below Han, uh, Hannafin and what he's been throughout his career. Uh, both guys have been roughly in the league, r- almost the same amount of time. I think Hannafin maybe a little bit longer than Dumba. I know Dumba has been around for 10 seasons now. I'm not sure if Hannafin has been around the same amount of time or maybe a little bit longer, but um if I had, again, if I had my choice, I am all over it. I, I, I would like Radko Gudas. I'd like, um, I, 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 that honestly, the, the list starts with, uh, with, with Gudas. That that's, that's my guy, Brett Pesci. There was some talk on that podcast about what it would take to get him. Someone threw two first round picks. I'm like, you out of your mind, two first round picks for Brett Pesci. No, I'm not trading that for Brett Pesci. That's insanity. Yeah, I, I don't know where, yeah, I just, I, I can't imagine parting with one first round pick 
and I and I know I know he's a good player. He's a good player. He's a good player. Like, and he's not on a, a monster contract or anything like that. It, it's just that first round picks are so precious now, man. You got to hit on those. Like, I don't know if he's the yeah. type of player that I'd feel comfortable parting with a first rounder over. Like, if if you were like a team that felt like you were really close and that you were confident you were going to have like a very low first round pick. And it was the trade deadline where prices can get inflated because people are going, I'm making a run or I'm selling. And it's like very yeah. definitive by the trade deadline. We're in it or we're not. Then maybe you could see that. But in the off season where, you know, you look at his body of work. I just don't, I don't see, you know how you just get a feeling like you look at a player and go, it's like the hall of fame debate. Is this guy a hall of famer? You just get a gut feeling and you go no or yeah. That's how I feel about Brett Pesci and first rounders. I'm just kind of like, I don't know about that. They were using, they were using uh, the Orloff return of the deadline as a, as, as like a comparison of what Orloff's a way better player than Brett. Yes, I agree. Like I I I don't, and I'm not saying like, it's a, I'm not saying it's like a vast Valley, but just Orlov in the scope of a hockey game brings a lot more to the table, in my opinion, than Brett Pesci. I agree. Both are big guys. I mean, both are big guys. I know. I think Orlov's a little bit on the heftier side. I'm uh, Pesci comes in at six foot three, two oh six, but I, I think Orlov is more physical. I think he has more to off, offer offensively, and just you just can't teach experience. You know, he's won a he's won a cup. You know, well, that's what separates him yeah. from Pesci. I'll, I'll I'll listen to an argument an argument about the two of them and their defensive merits, but. Pesci cannot bring offensively what Orlov can. And no. that's where the gulf is. Orlov is a, I, I, I borderline say he's underrated. I, I don't know that a lot of people realize how I mean, actually good he is offensively. I mean, eight seasons, he's his highest career total in terms of points has been 30. Um, again, not known for his offensive ability a guy who I think is more valued as a defensive defenseman. Um, we'll bring up Orloff here real quick too. Um, let's see. Dimitri Orloff. No, I don't know what's going on right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right, there we go. Um, I mean, again, 36 points this past season. Um, you look at his point totals over the course of his career. You know, he usually – you know, split between Washington and Boston this past year. Again, 35 or more points over the last five or six, you know, five, five, six seasons. A guy, a guy who's consistently, he's a power, he's, he's dependent on for the power play. Um, yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree. I don't think, I, I don't think that Pesci offers what Orloff can, you know, uh, offensively. And like I said, you know, Again, while he is shorter than 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 Brett Pesci, two hundred fourteen pounds. The guy is stocky, like stock, not stocky, but he's just he's all he's a bear. He's all muscle. So watch some of his hit compilations. Yeah, particularly the Matt Duchesne one where he flipped Matt Duchesne over like a cheap flapjack. 
Like Matt Duchesne did two somersaults in the air. Like it's one of the best hip checks I've ever seen. Um, he he got all of Matt Duchesne and more. Uh, yeah, he he's he's a snarly little dude, and yeah, like he's he's not like a sixty-five point defenseman. But keep in mind too, like he was always on the second power play. Like it was Mike Green and John Carlson that were up there feeding Ovechkin. Orlov would jump over the boards yeah. with thirty seconds left in the power play. Right? Mm-hmm. You know he he didn't get a lot a lot of opportunities to be like a mainstay on the power play. But look what happened when he went to Boston. They were uh, they were calling him Bobby Orlov because he just like got off to a heater. And what he have like eight points in his first four games or something. Like the dude, the dude can play. Mm-hmm. and he's a really good player, but I, I don't know. I just don't know that he's necessarily a, a fit in Buffalo. But again, with him or Dumba, like would, would I, if I was a Sabres fan, be lamenting the signing of either of them? No, because no. you just signed a good hockey player. Let's see yeah. how it works out. Yeah, it, with Orloff, you bring a ring into the room, which I don't think they have right now. I'm thinking of that roster. I don't think there's a single Stanley Cup ring in there. Um Actually, I'm fairly positive there is not a Stanley Cup ring in there. No, there isn't. So to bring a ring into the no. room, I think it has value. Um, again, it does something with an Orlov signing. Um, but again, I, I love the idea of you know, Radical Gudis, man. I mean, I don't think I don't know if I, I think he probably chooses to stay in Florida. Uh, I know he's a UFA. So I'll bring that up real quick since we're talking about you know defensemen and you know what is out there. I'll bring that up real quick, and we can just see kind of, you know, what in terms of free agency, um, what Kevin Adams or any team, you're, you're, even your Washington Capitals has to, to pick from um, come the summer. Well, come, you know, we're in, in the middle of summer, but uh, come free agency, and that starts fairly soon, I think, isn't it? It's in July. July 1st. Jeez, man. Where is this gear gone? Jesus. Dude, it's like a week away. That snuck We're up. We're getting there, dude. That's that snuck up on us, bud. He oh, he is goodness. a UFA. Yeah, he's a UFA. I'm just looking. Uh, NHL.com top NHL free agents. I'll share screen right now. Um, yeah, just um. I think I think this year in particular too. There's there's a lot to to choose from in terms of offensively defensively even the goalie market has been a little bit more plentiful than you've seen in years past um ufa's top of the nhl free agent forwards o'reilly tarasenko likely available i even barbashev a kid who really made a name for himself uh this past season with the golden knights um he's kind of shot to the top of most most lists um and i don't disagree with that him at all being at the top at the top of anybody's list um, because that kid that that kid I don't think he's a Vegas Golden Knight next year they can't afford him but absolutely a, a kid that I think would fit very well into into Buffalo but uh, I don't think that's the direction Kevin Adams is going obviously defense first but you see Patrice Bergeron I think he retires Tyler Bertuzzi I would love me some Tyler Bertuzzi Michael Bunting I've had that conversation before. The idea of him on a line with like a kid like Dylan Cousins, like just the amount of meat on that line and just aggressive skill. Um, Patty Kane, I mean, 
he's loved here in Buffalo. Personally, I, I'll take a pass. Um, I don't need Patrick Kane on my hockey team. Uh, not that I would be disappointed, but I just don't need it. Phil Kessel, um, I would love it just because he would not shy away from throwing shade at the Maple Leafs any chance he got. Alex Kalorn, a guy that I've really, really been high on, you know, in the past, you know, with him approaching free agency this offseason. I'm a big Alex Kalorn guy. David Krejci, I don't think he ever leaves Boston if he doesn't retire. Ryan O'Reilly, I'm completely on board with him, bringing him back to Buffalo if he chooses to. Max Pacioretty, Zach Parise, Corey Perry, Jordan Stahl, Vladimir Tarasenko, Johnny Teus. I mean, are these all forwards that I'm looking at here? Are we not getting any defensemen? It looks like it's all forwards, yeah. But I I mean, some of those guys are going to land in interesting spots. Like O'Reilly is an interesting one to me, and obviously he's a local guy up here. Um, His hometown is about half hour from me. Um, And he's, you know, a well-liked dude up here. Big Tim Hortons guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... (laughs) No comment. I have no comment on that. Um, his dad is a really cool guy, too. Really interesting guy. I've actually, you're not the first person I've heard that from. I, He's I've a super interesting to, guy. He's a sports psychologist. And he uh, he trains Ryan and Cal in the offseason. Makes them do, like, very interesting stuff, like, to for like their hand eye and stuff. He's a super fascinating guy to talk to. I've interviewed him twice. He's a very, very smart dude. So Um, I've actually uh, heard one of these stories is he'll have him do calisthenics while doing like calculus and math problems. Yeah. It's it's wild. There's videos you can look up like Sportsnet did a feature on him when he got traded to Toronto, obviously. Right. But like, there's, there's like videos you can see of him, like balancing on the half ball and like his dad is like throwing him different colored sticks and you can only grab a certain color. It's like, it's wild stuff that like you would just never think of. It's very unorthodox, like workout routines. He had like I I saw one that he was doing where he had him on uh like a a gymnast balance beam and he was stick handling over top of the beam on both sides through obstacles while walking the beam. It's just like wild stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a super interesting guy. Yeah. yeah. We look at this list. Obviously, the news from this week: Oliver Ekman Larson, OEL bought out by the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, he's available. I mean, I don't know how many people are going to be knocking down his door. Um, even he's, I mean, he's only 30, it'll be 32 years, almost 32 years old. It's not like he, he can't play anymore, but in terms of the if money, if someone that, gave him, if he took like 2 million from somebody, you'd go like, ah, oh, yeah, that's not a bad third pairing guy that no. can move the puck around still. Like he just, He's just gotten to a point in his career where he just like is not worth, you know, seven plus million dollars. And man, the Canucks, God, are they ever a mess? Like in the front office, like, I don't know what they're doing out there, dude. And they have great pieces like on that team already, you know, in Hughes and they got really good players. Yeah, they do. And just, um, I, I think, I still think Thatcher Demko is a great goalie. Um, just need to build in front of them. 
Yeah, um, I wouldn't trade him. I know people are like, oh, they should trade Demko. I'm like, no, I don't think so at all. What for? Like, yeah, why? At least get a team in front of him before you make that decision. Um, but in terms of right-handed defensemen, you hear you see Matt Dumba, Eric Johnson, uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, there's a name, uh-huh, Travis Hamanek. I was used to be pretty big on him before he uh, went to bat. He signed with Calgary, right? Yeah, I think Hamanek. Yeah, like he went back. He went back home to Alberta, and Alberta, well, I actually yeah. think he's from Manitoba. Um, but yeah, there he was wanted th- to come back to Canada. There was there a whole was thing, a thing with where, his dad. There was a thing where he his dad, but he also just didn't want to play in in America. You know, he wanted to be. He said close to family. Um, Rago Gudas again at the top of my list. Uh, you have Justin Hall, um, with Toronto, and then you get into Scott Mayfield, who a friend of mine, and actually in our group chat, he mentioned earlier, uh, Scott Mayfield probably isn't going to be back with the Islanders, um, 30 years old. Um, I mean, I don't know what type of a pay raise a kid like him would demand, but at six foot five at the right price, I mean, do you pair, I mean, what's, what's your, what's your feelings on him? He's a big, mean son of a bitch. Like he, yeah. he, he'd rough some people up for you. Yeah. Like that, that's more the type of guy you're probably after. Like Kevin Adams is going to want, like, it's always great when you can have a defenseman that can do a bit of everything. But like when you have guys on your team that already are able to carry the mail in terms of Darlene and power mm-hmm. offensively back there, just give them that old school guy. You know, it's it's just such a tried and true method throughout NHL history. The puck rushing offensive defenseman paired up with kind of the, the stingy stay at home, cross check you in the head to get you out of the crease type of guy. And Mayfield would certainly do that, right? You know, it's the Mark Mathod, mm-hmm. Eric Carlson thing. Like that's, it, it works. Teams keep doing it. Like there's something to be said for, pairing up defensemen that are in those type of molds. So mm-hmm. I think like, yeah, I think he's just a big I dude that can definitely clear the crease. Hey man, um, he's got size and he uses it. There are a lot of guys in the league that are big that just can't teach size. Don't really hit people. And uh, it's frustrating, but yeah. uh, he's certainly not one of those. Um, But again, in terms of, uh, again, it's always, Right-handed shot defensemen, they're so valued around the league. And then after that, you see Troy Stetcher, Connor Clifton, and then the, the list doesn't get much better after that. But, I mean, I don't know about left-handed defensemen that can play both sides. If that's, you know, again, I know we talked about Noah Hannafin earlier. Uh, maybe one of the two, either O or Power, Hannafin can play both sides. Again, I don't know what Kevin Adams' thinking is. But in terms of right-handed defenseman, in terms of free agency, this is what you have to work with, essentially, is Jonathan Klingberg, not sure if I'm interested, Matt Dumba, uh, Eric Johnson, and then, you know, get another uh, – and this is all broken down. It's not by ranking their own ranking, but by their cap hit from this past season. Um, you know, largest to smallest. Um, you get into again your Kevin Shattenkirk's, your Travis Hamonics, and then Radko Gudas, who I think gets a big pay raise this offseason from 2.5. And I think he's I think he's earned it. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I don't know what Kevin Adams will have planned to fill that hole that's been there now for two seasons. 
uh, in that second pairing slot right next to Owen Power. Well, one, one full season at least. Um, but uh, also some news today for the Sabres. Uh, they bring back Zemgis Gergensens and prospect Lucas Rusek, who uh, made his NHL debut this past season, scored a nice goal in his debut. Uh, and, and yeah, I don't know how much you know about Zemgis Gergensens, but your thoughts on that. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm personally okay with it. Yeah, it's fine. And the cap hit's not brutal. Like he's just a good meat and potatoes guy. He shows up, he works hard, wins some face-offs. And, uh, you know, (laughs) with some face off, he's just like, I don't know, like he's been there a long time. Like he's a good little foot soldier. He like, he tries hard. There's nothing spectacular about his game, but he goes up there and competes. Yeah. Like in the, you know, nine to 12 minutes that he'll get on a nightly basis, depending on how many penalties Buffalo takes. Like he goes out there and wins his draws, kills penalties, throws his weight around and, you know, he brings his lunch pail every night. Like, there's nothing flashy about him, but he works hard out there for the Sabres fans, and I don't really see a big issue with him coming back either. No. Um, I'm just going to – I want to bring it up here real quick. Uh, someone posted it earlier. His, uh, like, Jay Fresh card is actually, like, insane um, in terms of defensive ability. Um, where was it? Yeah, here, like his even strength defense. Yeah, even strength defense. Right here, it says uh, it was a ninety percent, but the one I saw earlier today, it was a ninety-eight percent, which is nutty, if you ask me. Like that's 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 nuts. Um, It essentially it essentially means that when he's on the ice, there are not a lot of high danger chances that are coming toward the Buffalo net. And like for a guy who's like a fourth liner. That's like exactly what you want. A guy who goes out there, mm-hmm. gets the puck out of the zone, wins a draw, kills a penalty, block a shot, and keep it in the other end of the ice, dump it, and get off so that Tage Thompson can come out and chase that puck into the corner. That's, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Like, yeah. nothing flashy. He just does his job, and he does it well. I'm just trying to find the most updated Jay fresh card uh, that I saw earlier. I, uh, it was, I, I can't bring up my text messages on my, on my MacBook, unfortunately, but it was, it was sent in a, uh, actually I'll just bring it up. See, I I'm assuming he posted it earlier. You can't but... bring your text. Message. We got to call Tim cook. This is an emergency. I know. I know. Come on, I know. Apple. Uncle Tim, oh, fix this? this. Well, I disconnected it, man, because I had so much going on on different, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't need you getting messages on this. Yeah, device, your screen starts iPad. lighting up. I, I just, yeah, it's, it's a just disaster. Much. Here it is, Jay Fresh Hockey. He probably posted it earlier today after the signing was announced. Usually does. There it is. So I'll share this. I'll share my screen here. Um, again, it's in, it's an insane, insane look into the value of a player like him and the reality of it is, and there was a couple comments in the peanut gallery that I'll bring up here too, um, about, you know, who- looks like it kicked me out there. Um, uh, there was, some I was pop- going to say, do I have to host this show by I myself? Know, right? now? Um, no, no, no. I mean, you do a better job than me anyway. Um, but, uh, 
there there was some, well, whose spot is you know Gergensen's taking, especially after they brought back Akposo. Like, I I mean, I don't know if Akposo is going to be a full time player next year. He's up there in age. He's always a step or two behind. I think he's a guy that we in and out of your lineup uh, as needed. But as you can yeah, see look here, at that. it's projected wins against replacement is a 60%. But look at that, 98% even strength defense. Again, going back to what you say, there aren't a lot of high danger chances when Zemgus Gergens is on the ice. And there is such a need for that. Even strength offense, yeah, it's a 36%. Not, not great. Definitely, definitely not great. Uh, he's a fourth liner, and he's only making two and a half million, and he brings stability to your penalty kill. And I mean, he's a guy that you can throw out there in a situation where you're trying to protect a lead, and he's going to limit the opponent's chances. And you need guys like that. You just do, whether you like it or not. You know, maybe Yuri Kulik does start the year in Rochester. You know, maybe he does block him from coming in, and. Honestly, like, is it really such a terrible, terrible thing if Yuri Kulik starts in Rochester? No, it's not. Is it really a terrible thing if Matthew Zavoy starts in Rochester? No, it's not a terrible thing. I mean, it, it, it's it's okay. Like, there's no, no nothing wrong with not rushing a guy to the NHL, especially at 19 years old. We don't. Well, need also, to do that. I think like Zemkis has been around for a while. He knows he's what his this. lot in life is. He knows who he is um i don't like i'm willing to bet he probably signed this deal with the understanding like he's not dumb he sees the pipeline he sees the kids that have been called up throughout the season i don't think that he's sitting there blind to the possibility that i'm probably not going to play every game yeah that's that's the situation he's in He's a wily veteran who, again, does his job well. It's a quiet job. It's not a flashy job. There's, there's nothing wrong with having some depth, particularly yeah. depth in, in the form of a veteran who clearly likes the franchise and works hard out there. Like, there's on the other side of the coin, like maybe Kulik and, and those guys push him out of the lineup. And there he is. If someone gets hurt or they want to shake things up after a bad loss or something, like you throw him back in there and you get the benefit of knowing exactly what you're going to get when you toss Gergensen's back in the lineup, let's say. Like, I, I don't think that it's a pro, like a, a preventative thing in any measure. He'll play when they need him. And when he's in the lineup, he'll do, he'll give you 98% even strength defense. Mm -hmm. shut guys down and then quietly skate back to the bench and cash his check. Like, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah. I, uh, and, and I said it, I think I'm pretty sure I said it earlier. I don't know if Kyle Akpoliso is going to be a full-time guy in this lineup. So maybe your seventh, maybe your, your, you know, your 10th forward, sorry, um, your 13th forward, um, yep, three times four is 12. Yep, I'm an idiot. Sorry, haha. <laughs> Your 13th forward, maybe it's a combination between a rotation between you know, Akposo and fill in the blank, whether it's Rusek, who many teams think is more NHL ready than the rest of the prospects, which is who they signed today to a two year deal. Um, is it, um, you know, is it Kulik? 
you know, does he impress in training camp as Captain Ahab here brings up? Doesn't signing Gergensen's block, Kulik or Savoy, if Olsen gets traded, which he most likely will be, it opens yeah. one slot. If Kulik comes out of camp strong, how do you send him to Rochester? And Savoy already mastered the WHL. Listen, um, I, I think... I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's, it, and that's the weird thing with juniors. I mean, you know that too. It's like, you know, you can't send those these guys to Rochester, unfortunately. Um, in a special circumstance at the end of the season where they had Savoy show up to Rochester for their cup run when after his season was over, obviously with juniors and and everything. So, like, like, I mean, would it be necessarily a bad thing for Matthew Savoy to play uh, play another uh, year junior? No, 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 I don't think so. No. No, and and he'd get to go to the World Juniors and dominate. It, it's never, it's not bad. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a really good player, but he could come back and be dominant again. Probably get traded potentially to a, a big contender out there. Like, it, it, if he goes back to the CHL this year, it, it's not going to be, you know, some sort of Greek tragedy or something. And Kulik, yeah, if he impresses in camp and earns a spot you know, out of camp, great. Maybe Gergensen's sits then and Kulik gets some playing time. And if he gets sent back down, he gets sent back down. This, here's the thing, right? These, like we're talking about this, like it's a problem. These are great problems to have. The mm-hmm. worst thing is going, who the hell's going to play in our bottom six? Who's our, you know, our third defenseman? Like Buffalo does not have those problems right now. You're in a position now for the first time in ages where you're going, geez, are we going to have enough room for that kid Kulik? Like really good kid. Is Savoy ready to come up? We're begging for Kulik. You're you're like, get this kid in the lineup immediately. Now you're like, well, we have this guy and we also have this guy and Gergensen's is coming back and Ocposo and like, like, you've got a bunch of options here and I'll say this too. Like, I, I think the kid's going to be a really good player. Far better players have been sent back to the AHL than Yuri Kulik and then came back and had very good years. Like the kid, he's not the second coming of anything, very good player, but this is a good problem to have. Like you, no, you have it, it, depth it in Buffalo. Dude, Shane, imagine Wright, that. Wright, it's incredible. Shane Wright was supposed to be the first overall pick. Not, did not end up being that, but, he was sent back to junior. Like he was sent, he was sent back to junior and, and did what Shane Wright does. He, again, quietly, you know, influences the game in ways that don't always show up on the score sheet, but he's really, really good defensively. Like, do you think he ends up a better player for it? Probably. Yeah. And I bet you, if you caught him in a candid moment, a couple years down the road, he will probably say the same thing. Didn't work out so great in Windsor. Well, it didn't work out so great for him, you know, getting, getting swept. No, no, you know, at the end of the day, experience isn't going to hurt him. Would you rather sit? Was it in Seattle or would you rather play? I think he would rather choose to play and go chase. And he he played and he played a lot. He played a lot. A bad thing. If Matthew Savoy, you know, goes back to junior hockey and, you know, dominates there, gets to play as much as he wants rather than being a, a rotational guy, potentially into this lineup. And am, am I, again, am I happy that Gergensen is coming back? I mean, yeah, I'm fine with it. Cause again, he brings, uh, 
He brings a style of play this team needs. Am I thrilled that Kyle Okposo is back? I mean, okay. You know, he's the captain. Is he a part-time player or is he a full-time player? Is he a guy? Because if he's going to be a part-time player, then I think you really have to explore explore the idea of a co-captaincy. Because I don't think you need – I don't like the idea of healthy scratching your captain. So, and I think of that partly that last season – as much of a great leader that he was. And he, and he scored some, some big, big goals for them last year uh, in certain moments, but you kind of put yourself in a position where you can't just healthy scratch your captain. Yeah. I, I think, I think ultimately, and I, I wonder your opinion on this. Like I think ultimately right now he's in a bit of a placeholder position as that the veteran guy until they decide they're ready to name Alex Tuck the captain. Like, I'm glad you said Alex Tuck, man, because I get a lot of shit sometimes. There's like a 50-50 split here in Buffalo who the next captain should be, Darlene or Tuck. I personally think you just put it on Tuck. I think he's... Well, and, and Tage Thompson's probably forced himself into that conversation too. Yeah. And there's another interesting problem for Buffalo. Which direction do you go with your captain? Do you give it to a more veteran guy? Do you give it like many franchises do now to the big superstar, which Tage Thompson is, or do you give it to kind of the, the next up and coming guy who's shown that leadership, that passion for the city. He's a hometown yep. kid in Alex Tuck. I, I don't think any of them are necessarily bad options. Uh, I just feel like Alex Tuck should be the captain of the Buffalo Sabres. That's just my yeah, opinion. I agree. Uh, from Paramount Pictures, to going back to our previous defensive defenseman talk, I would like Kenneth and someone to play third line wing. Honestly, offensively, I don't know if you see any changes outside of a rookie coming into this lineup because you look up and down. I mean, who is it? I mean, who, who would it be? I, I don't know. Like I, I have always liked the idea of like a Michael Bunting coming on this team. I think he'd fit in very well. Um, a few other Can names. Can you imagine Kalorn? Kalorn, exactly. Kalorn would be a great, a great. I don't addition. know how you'd shake it, but like, like Kalorn on that line with, with middle stat. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. It'd, it'd be fantastic. 100%. The depth, man. I'm all about Lethal. it. Very lethal. Um, there was I saw another tweet earlier. Uh, I forget if it was in a group chat or not, but um, an interesting point made. You know, for somebody to play on the opposite side of Casey to really give him one of those true scoring wingers, um, because you'd imagine it'd probably be. I don't know. I, I can't even remember who was on their third line uh, next to Casey. Um, it was Jack Paterka uh, and Cousins on your second line, Tage Tuck and um, Tage Tuck and Skinner on your first. And then who who was on that third line? Olafson, I mean Olafson was on there from time to time um, when he wasn't healthy. Scratched uh, again. I, I I don't know. Anyways, um, I, I would like an Alex Kalorn type player. Uh, Michael Bunting would be great. I mean, I mean, we'll just wrap things up here in a second. But go back to that list that we just had up, um, you know, free agents, forwards, uh, this upcoming offseason, who's available. Um, let me see. NHL free agency 2023. Um, right here. 
So we have we, Ivan Barbashev tops that list. I think that guy gets an enormous payday. Bergeron probably retiring. Then you have Michael Bunting, Tyler Bertuzzi, a guy that I love. I love his style of play. Very in-your-face aggressive with some with, with some skill. Uh, Patty Kane, hard pass. Phil Kessel, hard pass. And then you get Alex Kalorn from Tampa Bay. Um, Ryan O'Reilly would love to see him make his return back, even though as a center that would probably push Casey to the wing. Um, I'm fine with it. And then you got Max, you got Patch, Corey Perry, Jordan Stahl, Tarasenko. Um, those are pretty much the rest of the notable names, at least. So, um, again, I'd be all in on Alex Kalorn. If you're going to add to your forward group from outside the organization, um, I'm not going to get into trade. We can get a different episode. But um, I, I really do think that in terms of your forward group, I, I think the only change you might see uh, outside of an Olsen trade is maybe a rookie. I don't think they really go outside of the organization, uh, either via trade or free agency to really add to this group unless something really jumps out at them. Um, but I'd be all in on a guy like Michael Bunting. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he, he certainly brings some spice to the lineup. Some, oh, sometimes sure. a little too much, but, you know, I under under the right coach and in the right system. Like, look, that first year, he was a big part of that first line in Toronto. That was arguably, you know, one of the top three first lines in in the league. Like last year, yeah, he took a step back and he got himself into some trouble. Tom Wilson got himself into plenty of trouble too early in his career. Like, you know, it's a they're different players, but like he, you know, he still has plenty of value. He still has plenty of value and he's yeah. not going to cost an arm and a leg. Like, yeah, he, he's going to bring a bit of jam to a lineup. And again, as much as he probably annoyed some Leaf fans this year with his, his disciplinary issues, can't say the guy doesn't care. Mm -hmm. That's the worst thing ever, man. Like it's the worst thing ever when, especially when a guy's really talented, when they, when they don't care out there and you can see they're just kind of floating around out there. You don't want, I would rather have, I would rather have one Michael Bunting than five Alexi Ashens. Yeah. You know, I love, I, I just I love, would. I love his style. Uh, what do you get for a Victor Olsen? Uh, very one dimensional goal scorer. I see him going to Vegas. I really do. Uh, Jack spoke very highly of him. Uh, when he was still with Buffalo, when he did his interview on spit and chicklets, um, literally said, this guy can score 40 in his sleep. I can totally. And, and again, they're against the cap. They have to make some tough decisions. I think bringing in a guy that's cost controlled, you know, you know, I, I can't remember how much he's making. Like it could be more than 4 million a year. I could totally see them striking a deal with Buffalo to bring in, Victor Olsen to play alongside Jack, especially if they lose Barbashev. Uh, you know, what about year. Carolina too? Carolina too. I, we've talked about that because they're a the very catch ready thing. And it, yeah. and it, you know, like, I, and, and now, you know, you're going to be a little concerned, like how, how, you know, afraid are you of Svechnikov potentially picking up another bad injury? Like Olsen would, would add some depth to a team yeah. like that too. Like he, Hey, he's got value. Like the guy can put the puck in the net. You know what I mean? Um, 
And he probably can find a nice career as one of those like 30, 20 guys, a guy that can score close to 30, if not 30, depending on the team he's on and the opportunities he gets on a power play and, you know, do that very well and not much else. Yeah. But there's always going to be value attached to guys that can score in this league. So I saw a third. Oh, I hope we get a third or a fourth one. You're out of your mind if you think you're just getting a third round pick for a guy with term left that can score 30 goals in this league. I I, I just I just don't see it. I I don't care how one dimensional we are. If someone offered me a second rounder and and a and a decent roster player for him, maybe like a third pair defenseman, just somebody like reliable that I know I can pencil into my lineup yeah. pretty consistently, I'd be pretty satisfied with that. Because yeah, the thing that the thing that's tough about Olafson is, yeah, with his release and his skill, I agree with Jack Eichel. I believe he could score forty goals. Yeah, maybe 100%. once in his career or something. And then you sit there and go, "Geez, how'd we only get?" a second rounder and a third pair defenseman for him. But the problem with a guy like him is that his value gets hidden and clouded behind this fog of uncertainty with what kind of effort you're going to get from him on a night to night basis. He can go out there and score two goals in his sleep and float around and do nothing else. Or he could literally show up and literally do nothing and be a dash three on the night. That's what he is like, you know, so the I understand fans looking at the ceiling of his value and going, but he could do this and, and we should get value here. The mm-hmm. issue though is that other GMs watch games yep. and they see him well here not, in Philly, a lot. Because, not in Philly because look what we got for Rasmus Ristolainen. <laughs> Listen, we don't need to talk about whatever's going yeah. on over there, okay? Yeah. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. Arizona exists, but mm-hmm. Other, other, you know, other hockey executives can see, like they see him play and they, they see a lot of this and not a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So while we all sit here and go, yeah, he's got, he's got this in his yep. repertoire. We get an awful lot of this down here. So yep. that's what kind of hurts his value. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll I, be interesting because there's no way he's playing for Buffalo next year. Like absolutely no, no way. You don't get healthy scratch in the most important games of the year. No, Johnny Meatballs guy training towards thirty. He plays a full season last year. He plays all eighty-two games. He scores thirty, probably thirty-five goals. Yeah, you're probably right. Eight or twenty-nine this past season, and he and he and he missed a a handful of games. He probably scores thirty to thirty-five. I just think that they've got plenty of offensive talent there to carry the mail, and Johnny Meatballs completely lost. They're a top five scoring team in the regular season in the NHL this year their deficiencies were in offense. It was defense and in that. Um, and I yep. think that that is a major priority for Kevin Adams in the off season to fix what's going on in the blue line. And we'll see what happens in a net. Like, am I, am I in favor of running back both Levi and UPL? I mean, I'm 50, 50 on it. I think if UPL can develop his game and as a one B you can stick in there for 30, 35 games if he can win you 50 percent or more i'm happy with that or i prefer more i'd prefer a 61 a 55 to 60 percent winning percentage from him and i think you i i think you did well there um you know we all can't be craig anderson at 41 years old and come in and you know put up the numbers he he did in the two years he was with buffalo but 
I don't know. I uh, I know. I I just I don't. I, I again. I I think a guy like Victor Olson, you know, at least gets you a second round pick from the right team. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, if not a first, I think the right team, a team that again is strapped for against the cap. Maybe you take on a bad contract because you have the ability cap space to do it. Like with Vegas, they throw in they throw in a first and maybe a roster player because you're taking off that the roster player you're taking gives them some cap relief. You know, I, I could definitely see that. So um final thoughts uh going into obviously free agency in the draft. I think there's potential again for some crazy, crazy trades to happen. Andre, are the Leafs are the Leafs actually running this back, or are they going to do something crazy? Are we going to see other big stars moved uh, on teams that maybe underachieved? You know, Washington, I would think, would be one of those teams that is probably going to be active. I, I don't know that I would be upset if Yevgeny Kuznetsov had a new address as much yeah. as I love the kid. A very, very, very frustrating player. Very um, he He's a guy that could instantly add some serious talent, albeit yeah. frustrating talent to a lineup. You know, what's going to happen pick-wise? There are some teams with multiple picks in the top two rounds that have some flexibility and I'm sure would love to shed some salary mm -hmm. too. Like, there's going to be some wild stuff that happens on draft day. It, it draft day is the day now where things get crazy yep. and I'm excited to see Ryan O'Reilly was traded to Buffalo on draft day. Yes, sir. Subban, the Stamco signing dude. Yeah. Lots, lots, lot, lot. I think there's a lot of excitement on the draft floor this year for sure. I um, agree. Buffalo picks 13th overall, the St. Louis blues, a team that's re probably rebuilding. I mean, should be rebuilding um, is rebuilding. Three first round picks. Uh, do they use them all like Buffalo did last year? Do do you know? Do they you know move some of these picks? Do they use them all? I think they should use them all personally. Um, I do too. I I think they really need to reach unless unless a late one like if they move one of the later two, move it for a younger ready now player like a 22, yeah. 23 year old. Other than that, yeah. St. Louis should should restock their cupboard. I also think they find, need to find a way to get away from Jordan Bennington. It's my opinion. Get that He's guy playing himself into a not favorable spot. Like the guy's you know, not winning hockey games. And he's just uh and he's just a distraction. You know more just, often than not, yes. Yeah. So um Buffalo holds 13th overall. Uh you know uh who's the kid? Matthew Wood. Yep. Um, one name been thrown around a lot. He uh, made comparisons for himself to Tage Thompson as a guy he looks up to. Buffalo did some, uh, obviously, the combine here in Buffalo. Uh, you know, Buffalo did some uh, in-depth uh, talking with him. Uh, Hamburg native uh, Quentin Musty, uh, also up for grabs out of Sudbury. Um, kind of slated to probably go anywhere between, like, maybe Buffalo's pick and 25. Any uh any thoughts on him? I don't know if you've paid attention much to his his game out of Sudbury, but uh a kid that uh you know will be the first one to take be first Buffalo kid to be taken in the first round since Patty Kane. Yeah, paid plenty of attention to him because he's in the OHL. Uh right, yeah, well, yeah, really good, really good player, good hands, good nose for the net. 
and a really good skater, like good acceleration. His first two or three steps are really good. He can create separation. Mm -hmm. He's got a good shot. And I think he's actually an underrated passer, but his, his game will be in tight six feet in from the crease going upstairs, collecting rebounds. Like he's not afraid to go into that dirty area to collect a goal. And I think that he's going to make a team really happy. He's going to turn into a really solid goal scorer. Um, you know, nothing crazy. I don't, I don't think he's going to turn into, you know, like a 35, 40 goal guy, but just a really solid top six player that can go to the front of the net and, and get his cookies. I, I think that, I think that he name. would be an interesting pick. Yeah. He's a great name. Yeah. I love the name, you know, musty, you know, musty getting musty, musty getting dusty, you know, a lot, lot you can do with that last name. Um, I, yeah, I, uh, obviously I plan on doing our, our annual draft show. I hope you'll be able to join us when we do, depending on what you going on, got going on. Um, we'll do our free agency show too. Um, I'll probably take the day off just for that one. Uh, excited as always. Um, I know we, uh, didn't get to a lot of draft talk, but we do have a, uh, a special guest coming on with us. This upcoming Tuesday, um, obviously, uh, draft the at the draft analyst on Twitter, uh, Steve uh, Coronos. I always butcher his name, uh, but he's done been doing NHL draft coverage since 2015. Uh, he's on Substack. You can find him there. He's agreed to come on. It's 8 p.m. on Tuesday. Ryan, you're always welcome to come on. Get his thought. You know his your thoughts on him uh, with the Caps. You know what they might do, but. Uh, I'm uh, excited to have Steve on uh, and hopefully some others leading into the draft as well. Uh, and again, we have the uh, start of NHL free agency on July 1st, which snuck right up on us uh, right around the corner. So Ryan, thanks for hopping out with me, bud. Actually, I wanted to show you them last time. I know we showed you guys pictures, but get, let me see if I can get Reptar out here. Hold on. Oh, yes. The star, the unofficial mascot of the show. The Lizard King himself. Yeah. Yeah, get him out here. Hmm. There he is. Check this guy out. There he is. That's a lizard, dude. That is a lizard. That is a chameleon. He's called a it's a panther chameleon. Whoa. Um, my dog's over here too, so he's getting all like tensed up right now. Cause uh my dog's always interested in things that uh he might be able to eat. And oh, uh, of course, yeah. He's never seen one of these before until now, so he's a little in, a little more interested than he should be. But yeah, unofficial mascot of two goalies, one mic, I guess. Reptar the Panther Chameleon. Right now he's got like a turquoise blue and red going on. He turns orange, yellow, green, which is a normal color for chameleons, but yeah, That's dude, this wild. Guy's awesome. Hell of a mascot. Hell yeah. So from myself, Ryan Jury from the Instator Podcast, check it out. And for Cully, for Hurls, I am Dwayne. This has been episode 128 of Two Goalies, One Mike, brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case over on George Irma Boulevard. Um, don't waste for all your uh, NHL offseason needs. Your cookout needs, make sure you get to Outlet Liquor, Tom. 
the boys from two goalies, one Mike sent you. And, uh, you know, Reptire sent you too. So I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks again, Ryan. We'll see you soon. Hey, everybody, this is Dwayne from Two Goalies, One Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now you might be thinking, hey, Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we're bringing coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwreckSports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests blue hotel hotline and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.